0: You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. When we go to gamble, we go to lose. Even when we win, it's just a matter of time before we give it all back. This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast, featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire.
1: i bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here. Welcome back, homies. Thanks for streaming today's Bet Slippin' Podcast. It's our NBA playing special. I got my co-host here, the handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, a.k.a. Nate Dog, to help me break down all four games. Nate, what's up, brother? What's up? I'm pretty
0: pumped tonight. These uh, these first two playing games really going to get the juices flowing. Uh, how are you feeling about them?
1: As you know, I've been doing an NBA podcast for Bet and daily, uh, mostly Monday through Friday, since the start of the year. NBA is like my number one gamble. I'm a high volume NBA better. I'm gonna be excited about the play in, regardless of the matchups. And I really, I do like the matchups. Maybe when I was breaking them down, I kind of talked myself into them being pretty good. But I mean, they let us bet money on the shit. We're gonna make money betting it, and it's gonna be exciting. I. Honestly, dude, my, my confidence is just through the roof right now. I killed it this regular season, um, and I always beat the shit out of the NBA playoffs. I'm probably jinxing myself right now, putting my foot in my mouth, but I like some uh, underdog series prices. We'll, we'll talk about that later this week, actually. We're going to come back and do a, um, a playoff uh, first-round series preview as well um but today we're just talking about the nba play-ins and i'm 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 looking forward to them and i'm i'm pretty confident heading into the play-ins how about you how was your nba regular season how do you feel about these matchups whatever what are you thinking
0: yeah uh i like the matchups i got a couple of dark horses i like i think one thing that i would say is um i definitely like the like to make the playoffs type bets like atlanta and teams like that we'll talk about those a little bit deeper into the show but uh I think those have good value, especially because some of the 7 eights in the conferences aren't aren't as strong as they were earlier in the season. As for the actual regular season, I think I did pretty well. I won a lot on Oklahoma City, just blindly betting them some games because they were just so hot against the spread. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I had a pretty profitable NBA. So it was it was a good year.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I killed it in the regular season. I was uh, pretty excited about my performance. Yeah, that show record was beautiful. Yeah, the show record was sick. My my side bets are pretty good too. Like if I shared those, like I would, I would still be way in the black. So I don't know. I gotta stay somewhat humble because I did. Uh, when I was like riding my highest during the NBA season, I had an O and five night and just got completely like ma- uh, mopped and and got humbled a little bit. So I got to keep that perspective when I'm doing the NBA. I'm going to do an NBA daily postseason podcast as well. A lot of the listeners asked for that, and um, I'm going to do one. Um, but I'm going to take some like O oh for two, O oh for three nights. I'm going to try to mix in player props so. There'll be some swings this postseason, I'm sure, but I, I'm very confident I'll end up in the black, and I'm going to be hammering some of these series prices, um, and I, I love a couple of these playing games, actually, so if you have any yeah, other I think things. Just
0: for, the sake of, oh, just for the sake of things, we probably want to let the listeners know, if you haven't kind of hinted at it already, we will be, I'm pretty sure we will be doing a podcast going, doing like a little series previews later in the week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that a little earlier um, while you were collecting your notes. We're going to be doing an NBA first round playoff preview. Depending on how the schedule lines up, I'd like to do, you know, second round conference finals, NBA finals. You know, we'll, we'll just see how that works. I mean, this first round playoff schedule is so sick, right? I mean, there's no games Thursday, there's the final playing games Friday, but every series starts Saturday. So we'll kind of have to guess on Thursday about how the outcomes of the Friday games. But we'll have most of the series is lined up and be able to analyze them from there. So um, we'll be coming with you for with a, a first round playoff preview. And again, I will be doing um, a daily postseason NBA postseason podcast. Not sure if I'm doing the first weekend because honestly, I just want to kind of hang out the, over the weekend. But we'll see. I'll keep you guys posted on that. You'll follow. You can you find uh, all the details on my Twitter at Jeffrey underscore Clark. But no more bullshit. Let's talk about the play-in games, which I'm very excited about. Um, the first game tips off tonight. We're recording Tuesday, April 12th. The first uh, play-in game tips off tonight at 4 o'clock with the 8-seed Cleveland Cavaliers playing the visiting the Brooklyn Nets. Um, the, pre, the spread's 8.5 um, with more juice on the Nets according to typical who I'll do an ad read for uh, in the middle of this podcast and the total sitting at two twenty-seven and a half. I'm pretty sure in your Twitter bio, you're the self-proclaimed under God. Is that how you're getting at this yeah. game? Or are you taking a side here?
0: Um, I'm going to take a side here. And I think it's been a good side for most of the year when Jared Allen was an all-star when he doesn't play, it's not the same Cavs team. And it's not like when Clint Capella doesn't play, the Hawks aren't the same defensively. It's when Jared Allen doesn't play, the Cavs are not the same on either side of the court. So they're they're the number set, they're the number eight seed coming in, but they were nine and 16 without Jared Allen. I feel like sometimes you don't have to overthink it. There's some reverse line movement. Pre-game suggesting that 65% of the cash is on the Cavaliers, yet the Nets are, went from minus eight and are now minus nine. Uh, I think you just have to – I'm not going to overthink this one. I think you have the best two players, both pure scorers, and then the other team's going to be without their best player on both ends of the court. So I'm going to take the Cat or Brooklyn. And I know what the Twitter bio says, but hear me out here. The Cavs have one of the best um, – they have one of the best defenses in the league with Allen. That's where they made the brand bar. That's why they started out so hot in the regular season. In their last 15 games, their defensive rating has slipped to 17th. And, I mean, Allen's just a game changer. The the Cavs are going to have to keep up. Brooklyn in their last 15 ranks fourth in offensive rating and 10th in pace. I think the over here is actually a good play. It's been absolutely churned down to 227, and I I just see this being potentially a 118-110 type game or something like that. I actually think if the nets either way, I like the over and I like Brooklyn. I, think I don't if... know if they're best bets for me yet. Um, I haven't kind of, I haven't decided if they'd be best bets, but I think Brooklyn's just going to run over them, especially at home.
1: Oh. I hear you. I I don't really hate your analysis there. I think if the Nets cover, I think the over is more likely. Like I think the Nets are going to end up scoring in the in the mid twenties or mid one twenties. Yeah,
0: this game. yeah, that was that was kind of my point.
1: I do think though, because the Nets backcourt I, I wrote this up for yeah. sportsbookwire yeah, dot dot com today. Yeah. Um the Nets defense is just unreliable for me to to be laying three possessions with them. That's my thing. Is the back door is gonna be wide open. Obviously, it's uh close to an elimination game. So like the Cleveland Cavaliers aren't giving up. They're not mailing it in. They're gonna be going from the final but uh, from opening buzzer to final buzzer, so I think the back door is wide open against this um, against this Nets defense because it's so bad. Um, the season series, the Nets won I think three to one uh, straight up, but they were two and two against the spread. Uh, but the last meeting they had, which was this past Friday, the Celtic or the the Nets, excuse me, won one eighteen to one oh seven. And if people are going off of that score and that outcome, I think it's a little misleading. The Cleveland Cavaliers led entering the fourth quarter, and they actually outperformed the uh, Nets on three of the four factors. Now, what they couldn't do, which is a direct relation to the absence of Jared Allen, is they could not finish defensive possessions by grabbing rebounds. Bruce Brown and just the the Nets attacked the Crashed the glass like crazy and got a ton of offensive rebounds. And we know what Kevin Durant's going to do. I, I think we're all pretty confident what Kyrie Irving's probably going to do, right? The reason why they lost to the Brooklyn Nets this past week was because Bruce Brown. Like, Bruce Brown had an ep- epically great game. So if they're able to just. Like keep all the production with Kevin Durant or to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I think they could steal this game and definitely beat the closing number. Um, we've seen the Nets lose games with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving just going nuts. Like they like their supporting cast could really shit the bed for them in this game. And the Cavaliers have nice veterans who've been there before. I'm not I'm not putting much line value into Rondo, but Kevin Love can give a give you a surprising 20 off the bench and is far better than any bench player, um, that, 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 uh, the Brooklyn's relying on. And I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm, I'm scared of Kevin Durant like anyone else. Right. But we have an 82 game sample size of this team. Granted, Kevin Durant was injured for a lot of them. This is just a spot that Brooklyn chokes in. They're five and 26 against the spread as home favorites. Six and fourteen against the spread at home versus winning teams. Three and nine against the spread at seven and a half to nine and a half point favorites. And Nate, that's though that's the trend that jumps out to me the most. That's the, the trend those are the trends between you and me and the bet slip and audience that I kind of glom on to the to the most is the the pricing trends. Because the the context, like they say, like treads or, or trends, excuse me, are missing context, but the context is, is made up in the pricing, right? So like when you're looking at seven and a half to nine and a half point spreads, anything the market feels about whatever injuries, whatever, uh, rest situation, whatever matchup factors is baked into the line. And the nets don't cover as big, as big favorites. Now your point about Jared Allen is is perfect and it's accurate, and people don't realize this, but Jared Allen, I think, led the NBA in offensive rating last year. Like, his vertical spacing, the way he plays pick and roll and, and, and rolls the basket is super important to Cleveland. So all your concerns are very valid, and I do understand and, 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 and groove to the point of Cleveland being a public underdog, right, and that being scary. But as as like lame and as square as it sounds, this is too big of a number for me to lay with the Nets. I they just haven't proven it enough. I don't know. That's kind of where I sit. It's it's more of a lean than anything. But I would have to go with the Cavaliers right now. They're according to typical plus eight and a half. So that's if gun to my head, yeah, I would I would go with the Cavs.
0: I think part of the reason is it's it's tough for me to use season long references with the Nets as well because you have. Kyrie Irving playing half the time. You had James Harden playing the other half the time. And then their – so their offense is just completely revamped with Irving in the lineup. I, I think it's tough to understand what you're going to get. I'm not sure I would suggest playing either side. It's more – it's more lean for me because, there, I mean, there is a lot. And then you also have to consider the Cavs will be without Allen. Well, all season long they've, they rank fourth. They have the fourth, the 26th, 27th worse turnover rate so it's like are they going to turn the ball over much even though the nets defense isn't great they're they're an older group with aldridge and mills but um if cleveland has a ton of unforced turnovers and then even more to your point if if they do view this as an elimination game if they foul down the stretch i mean those those things can i mean they're professionals they could make their free throws those things will probably could push the game over i think there's they both sides could cover if it comes down to the stretch like that but uh Generally, I agree. This is a tough number to lay both ways.
1: Yeah, the, the the one thing that throws me off the Cavalier scent is just it feels like a square play. Like it feels yeah. like the odds makers are begging for Cavalier money, like just begging for it. And obviously, you don't want to play into their hands. So,
0: well, to be fair, they are. I mean, at least I know we've all we've both spoken interestingly, interestingly, if of pregame, especially when we talk about them. It's 1.24 Eastern time, but they say that 66% of cash is on the cabs and the line went from minus eight and a half to minus nine now per pregame. Yeah.
1: Um it's so I there think, is some
0: reverse line movement there. Again, it's all it's all what you want to take into consider.
1: You can find positives and negatives for both sides. Absolutely. And yeah, I think that's some like buyback. Like I think the early betters hit the nets hard and both the cash and the tickets columns was showing that. And now people are like, oh, it's nine, nine and a half. It got to nine and a half on some books, so they're like buying it back. But, I mean, it, it again, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about a, a game that I, I actually haven't placed a bet on yet. I probably will before tip-off because, you know, I'm a high-volume NBA better. who I am. Um, yeah, that's kind of how I get down. But uh, I, I have a heavy lean towards the Cavs, and that's what I'll uh, officially leave it at here in the BetSlipping podcast. Yeah, Slipping let's move podcast. on to the
0: funner game a more enjoyable game
1: yeah dude i'm excited about this game I'm uh the pumped. the 6:30 uh p.m seven versus eight seed matchup in the western conference with the los angeles clippers visiting the minnesota timberwolves the odds currently are the timberwolves favored three and a half the total sitting at two thirty and a half. and and you know to just keep you and the bet slipping podcast listeners uh posted i, I I think I'm going to end up with my biggest sports bet of my life on this game. Um, I, well up, up to this point, I'm just going to end up betting more at some point in the NBA playoffs. I'm sure. But, uh, I have a huge bet here. Um, and I, I love the Clippers here. Um, I was hoping you could find a way to argue for the Timberwolves, but I after am. talking to you, I got you. okay, I okay, cool. All right, cool. I'm what, buying, I found, I found some, 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 some things I like. So about the Timberwolves, Yes, well, about okay. the Timberwolves.
0: I'm somehow we're going there.
1: So Clippers are three and one straight up and against the spread versus the Timberwolves this season. All three of the Clippers wins came in November. Pretty sure D'Angelo Russell missed all three of those games. Paul George definitely played in all Crushed three. Um, those games. Minnesota beat the shit out of the Clippers in their fourth <laughs> game, one twenty two to one hundred four, January third. But Carl Anthony Towns was out, both Clippers Bigs were out, and so were Paul George. So it's kind of a throwaway game, but you can argue so were the first three in November. So what, I guess I, I'm very interested in hearing the pro Minnesota argument because I couldn't get there on it and I and that's just not how sports betting works. Like Menth- or Minnesota can absolutely win this game. so what what are the reasons that you you see <clears throat> them having some value here perhaps?
0: Yeah. So Minnesota has been pretty good as a home favorite this year, 15, 12 and one against the spread. Whereas Los Angeles is 15 and 14 as a road dog, kind of a wash there, but it just goes to show that Minnesota does cover at home. And then a few other things that kind of really lean in Minnesota's favor is they rank second in opponents turnover rate. So they have an aggressive defense. They have a long defense. Who's going to be playing on Paul George, probably Jared Vanderbilt who has a seven foot one wingspan. So Paul George might not have easy games. Sure, those November matchups might have been different. You also have to realize, I mean, that was that was five months ago. So, take it how you want. Um, but the Clippers ranked 14th in turnover rate. I expect them to be a bit more caring with the ball in this matchup. But then you look at a few other things. Minnesota since fifth and second chance points. They have length Vanderbilt and uh, what's that other guy's name? Jaden McDaniels, Patrick Beverly, uh, Anthony Edwards. They have high flyers that can all get to the ball. So they rank fifth in second chance points. You know where LA sits in opponent's second chance points is dead last. They're not a great rebounding team. They rank 27th in defensive rebounding rate. That should be worrisome to me. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, I don't always trust Zubac, and even when they go smaller, I'm not a huge Morris fan. Um, I I think LA is going to easily get to the playoffs, but Minnesota's their their rebounding is concerning. On the other side, Minnesota ranks seventh and uh offensive rebounding rate and at large they're 26 and 15 at home they play well at home they play with energy they and i think the other thing that just makes me a little skeptical is that minnesota has like a lot of boomer bust players like d'angelo russell could drop 35 anthony edwards could drop 35 Kat could drop 60 i mean obviously they probably won't but if they get hot they get hot and i think they have a higher ceiling than minnesota and i think that would uh at least scare me a little bit that and the rebounding are my two biggest concerns. Again, I'm not playing a side here and I'm, I'm not playing. I mean, I probably will play this game in some regard, but I'm probably not going to throw a heavy bet on this game. Like you are.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm like all in on the not all in, I'm pretty well bankrolled, but I'm, I'm betting a big, a big number on the Clippers here. Do you, so I thought this is interesting trying to reverse engineer the Clippers forty-two and forty record, and I figured it out. Do you? Their players suck. <laughs> like, I mean, Paul George yeah, played we've, thirty we've games. Talked about
0: this personally, yeah. Their we've players about just suck. Like the best coaching of they have the the best coaching, which is one reason to love them.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, their their continuity and their coaching is just it's tight. You know, they went six games in the Western Conference Finals with the Phoenix, and if you remember, Phoenix won one of those games. Um with a walk-in like buzzer beater alley oop to Deandre, and which was a absolutely sick play. It was a sick play, but like let's be honest, it was kind of fluky. So like that series could have won seven either way. Phoenix is the better team, no arguing that. But like the Clippers have more big game playoff experience, and I don't. I think this is going to be not shocking, but a little surprising for the audience to hear. I'm going to say it confidently. Paul George is the best player on the floor. He is. Like, calling, calling the towns love, a love, great offensive big man, right? But Paul George is an absolute terror. And he is, the, in my opinion, the best player on the I, floor. I, you disagree? I thought
0: you were about to say best player on the planet. No, I agree no, no, he's the no. best player on the court. I thought you were about to say something crazy.
1: No, no, no. no, no. I'm not getting that crazy. No, Paul George is – I love Paul George's game. I can't get that far, but, like – Two-way players. There isn't a lot of players ahead of him. Like he's he's phenomenal defensively, Um, but when reverse engineering the Clippers' forty-two and forty record, their leading scorers. I mean. Their two leading scorers, Paul George and Norman Powell. Norman Powell played three games. Paul George played 30 games. So beneath that, you have Reggie Jackson, who's shooting like 39%, averaging 17 points per game. Marcus Morris, who's playing pretty good, but averaging 15 points per game. Then I think it's Luke Kennard, averaging 12 points per game. But the reason why the Clippers have a winning record and are as formidable as they are especially game in, game out, is because the NBA is all about or mostly about three-point shooting, and they are the second-best team behind the arc in the NBA. And what I mean by that is the differential between their three-point shooting percentage and their defensive three-point percentage is the second best in the league behind the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat are the only team better behind the arc than the Clippers. They have the second best adjusted or non-garbage time three-point shooting percentage and the sixth best adjusted uh, three-point shooting percentage. Minnesota chucks up threes and they allow threes to be chucked against them. Their third and three-point attempt... Uh, Rate right, and they shoot a lot of catch and shoot and off the dribble threes. The Clippers defend the three point r- really well. And again, the Timberwolves allow their opponents to hoist threes. If you're gonna allow the Clippers to shoot threes, they're going to bury you. Like they're going to hit those threes most likely, and they're gonna they're gonna prevail. Also, this line is three and a half, so they're effectively. The odds makers are thinking this is going to come down to the final possessions in the last couple minutes, right? So to me, you're looking at clutch time, right? Clutch time net rating. The Clippers, I think, are third in clutch, excuse me, they're fifth in clutch time net rating. They got a plus 10.8 points per hundred possessions in the final five minutes of games within five point margin. They're 24 and 18 straight up in those spots. Minnesota minus 0.9 net rating, 16th. So in close games, they struggle to pull them out. And even more to the point, like Paul George can create his own offense. He can bring the ball up the court and create his own look. Carl Anthony Towns, phenomenal. He's not bringing the ball up the court. You can play ball denial, and you can can do things to keep – uh Carl Anthony Towns from catching the ball in advantageous positions. And the other thing is just like the coaching god that Ty Lu is. Like this guy is an ultimate uh mastermind and and, and um um just like in game adjustment coach. And how I think he's gonna have them defend— now this isn't predictive. This is more I guess this is more me guessing, but how I think he's gonna have the Clippers defend Carl Anthony Towns is I think they I think he's gonna bait him. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna bait him by giving Carl Anthony Towns um, space to catch the ball and to feel like he can go one on one. And I think they're gonna collapse on him and make him um, ha- uh, uh, force him into making a quick decision where he can throw the ball, commit turnovers. Now, your defensive rebounding point and, and your your defensive turnover rate point for Minnesota. Perfect. Like, that is my biggest concern. Minnesota crashes the glass like crazy, right? But in the four meetings between the Clippers and Minnesota this year, per game, the Clippers are getting 5.8 rebounds more than the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. So when they match up, like, Ty Lu knows that his team can't defensive rebound, and he knows the other team can. So he, he game plans around that and he's going to have the Clippers finish off defensive possessions by grabbing rebounds. Also, you didn't mention him. Isaiah Hartenstein, the backup big, is is a problem for the Clippers. He, he's nasty, and they they have size to throw at Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns likes to put the ball on the ground. He doesn't want to put the ball on the floor against Marcus Morris, Terrence Mann, Paul George, these long – Nicholas Batum. these long arms – Robert Covington, like they're so long at the wing. It's going to make it really tough for Col Anthony Towns to move. Also, one last note that I have on this game. The Los Angeles Clippers have won the free throw battle handedly over Minnesota. And that's the thing that I think will be consistent. The Clippers are averaging five and a half more free throw attempts per game when they play the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Minnesota Timberwolves have the second worst Defensive free throw attempt rate, so they send their foul their opponents to the foul line a lot. Here's the thing, too, with that: Pat Beverly played for the Los Angeles Clippers. Do you think the Tyloo knows how to get under Pat Beverly's skin? Probably, right? Pat Beverly is a very emotional dude, makes stupid, stupid fouls a lot, gets overly aggressive. He'll make fouls 85 feet from the basket, which is absurd that you cannot do that in the NBA, and you can't do that in an elimination game. And Carl Anthony Towns is another emotional player that I think can get rattled by Marcus Morris's chippiness, and it all kind of ties into the fact that this team, the Clippers, are just more playoff tested. They know what they are. They have more of an identity, and I think when push comes to shove, when the rubber meets the road, whatever bleeping cliche you want to use the Clippers are going to figure this out inside of 48 minutes I'll even go one further as a tease to the next episode I'm, I'm putting my foot in my mouth this bullshit Nate I, I think the, the Clippers, Clippers beat over, the uh, I think the Clippers the, beat the, the Memphis I think they beat the Memphis Grizzlies I love the Memphis I think- Grizzlies I, I Memphis Grizzlies have made me a lot of money this year they cannot play half court offense and that's going to be a problem in the playoffs and it's gonna be a very big problem against Ty Lu. And they don't even need Kawhi Leonard back, I think, to beat them. And I don't know, I'm high on the Clippers. I could end up falling really flat on my face if they lose this game. Because like, in my opinion, like like I make I'm making my my biggest in-game or pre-game sports bet on this one, right? If this is a seven game series, I would be asking you to borrow money to bet on the Clippers. Like there would be no way the Minnesota Timberwolves make it out of this series, in my opinion. Forty eight game or forty eight minutes, yeah, they can get hot, of course. Like that's the that you can handicap every game like that. Well, Carl Anthony Towns is a is a is a beast. Anthony well, Edwards a former get- one pick. Like they can get hot from three. Yeah, so could Luke Kennard? What do, what, that's not predictive analysis. So. Um, we spent a lot on this game because it's my favorite bet. But I'm, I'm hammering the Clippers like an idiot. I took the two and a half. I'm gonna have to put another super fat bet on the three and a half because, like, if I like it at two and a half, I love it at three and a half. So whatever. Like, I don't know. I I am a little nervous about the reverse line movement. Um, I'm thinking how I maybe it's just me trying to talk myself into the Clippers and regardless. I just think the books took a lot of sharp money initially and are moving it against the sharp money. And yeah, the public might be coming in on the Clippers, but the books are afraid of the sharps that are betting the Timberwolves. So I'm fading what I think is sharp money. Maybe I'm an idiot. We'll see. But I like the Clippers three and a half. All um, right, man. Can't, so can't blame it. I like I like the reasoning. I like the rationale. <laughs> All right, cool. Let's go to the. uh, Friday games, the first one on Friday, uh seven o'clock Eastern Standard Tip Off. Excuse me, Southeastern, right? Southeastern divisional matchup with the Charlotte Hornets, who are the ten seed um out east, playing the ninth seed Atlanta Hawks, both at a 43-39 record. Uh the Hawks are favored four and a half. Money lines minus two hundred, plus one sixty for the Hornets. The total is two. Holy shit, that's a big number. Um, The Hawks and the Hornets tied the season series 2-2 straight up and against the spread. The total, interestingly enough, is 1-6 to the under in their last seven Charlotte-Atlanta meetings. Nate, how are you getting down on this game? Yeah, so
0: I think one important thing to note is it doesn't look like John Collins is going to be playing. Which, I mean, he's probably atlanta's second best score i don't think that matters much i see that i hear that atlanta was 17 and 10 this season without collins in the lineup they're 19 and 15 as a home favorite uh they rebound well they have experience from going to the eastern conference finals a year ago like i said i don't have a ton on this my favorite bet in this game is for atlanta to reach the playoffs. so i would rather not even worry about the points and play that instead You can get that at plus 240, and I kind of just think, considering Jared Allen looks like he's going to be out for both games, we both, at least it sounds like we both think the Nets will advance even if they don't cover. Um, I think there's no way I'm taking the team with more experience, and Charlotte's just been – sure, they have good wins, but I'm not sure how quality a ton of those wins have been. They played a high pace, um, and I, I think Atlanta can slow this game
1: down, play at half court with Capella and win pretty easily. No shit. Or well, opposite. I, I think I like the Hornets. Here's a question I and have that, for you. That's
0: fair. Who that's th- fair. I,
1: I just I couldn't get behind them. I like watching
0: the Hornets. They're the most enjoyable team probably to watch in the NBA. I don't
1: hate that. Who, who do you prefer, LaMelo Ball or Trey Young? I mean, I'm going to prefer the one that I'm pretty sure he led the league in assists right trey young no chris paul did but i mean trey young probably wasn't far behind him so
0: i i like trey young i think he's a baller i think dude knows how to get to the line he knows how to work the pick and roll you can go with lamello all you want but until he's shooting with trey shooting from three i'm taking trey
1: oh yeah okay well let me tell you how trey's shooting from three when he plays lamello ball are you interested in that
0: what like three
1: what like the three matchups they've played each other well, they've played each other five times in the last two years. I mean, LaMelo Ball was a rookie. Does that, do you, you don't think that's a big enough sample size?
0: I, I just, I just don't think I care. Now, I, I'm not saying no, that you'll listen I'm least. just, I don't think it necessarily does a ton for this matchup. I mean, Trey Young, Trey Young's shooting 38% from deep and hitting three triples a game. I'm not sure how he's played against LaMelo is going to, Sway my mind.
1: Fair enough. Okay. Well, he's the Lamelo's Hornets are three and two against Trey Young, and since the beginning of last season, Lamelo Ball is outscoring him. He has more rebounds per game, more assists per game, half the turnovers. He's shooting a hundred percentage points better from the field. He's shooting thirty five percent from three compared to Trey Young's twenty eight percent. So you're really ignoring a lot there. Like you're he's. He's got better points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, fewer turnovers, shooting better from everywhere on the floor. Well, not the foul line, but he's shooting LaMelo 95% or 94% from the foul line in those games. I, I mean, to I, be in fair, my they opinion, were two
0: and two. They were two and two this season. Atlanta yeah. would have covered five both times and they lost at home to Charlotte by three once. Hmm. And again, you're saying it if he, if they can do that with Trey Young, not shooting well, he's not going to always shoot well. You, th- you think every time he plays Charlotte, he's going to throw up a goose egg? I mean, he hasn't played well a ton this season, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a Trey Young apologist and I like him a little too
1: much. That's fair, and I I, I can't stand Trey Young. I think he actually hurts the sport. I think that's because you like the Knicks. Aren't you a Knicks fan? I am a Knicks fan, but I'm not. Yeah, you don't
0: like the ice tray in the garden?
1: Oh, that for sure pissed me off. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's not really why I don't like him. I think that he makes the sport worse with his – Gimmicky, officiating, uh, official manipulating bullshit. That's how I
0: feel about Luka Doncic sometimes. I love Doncic, but the, I mean, even Curry got into it. Pump fake, just let me throw my body three feet to the left. And Trey Young's the worst. He'll get the defender on his hip and just jump backwards.
1: Like to me, James Harden and Trey Young make the sport of basketball worse. They they do. I absolutely Uh, cannot disagree. And you, you can make the argument, and I don't, even hate the argument wars. Well, you know, they're doing whatever they can to, to win the game, and, and you know, it's within the rules or whatever, whatever. But you know, once the playoffs start, you start losing these officiating, or the, the officiating becomes a little tougher. They swallow their whistles, and to me, that hurts Trey Young. And you said experience. I gotta be honest, I don't think much of their experience, and that's part of my thing with Phoenix as well, which we'll talk about in the, in the playoff uh, preview. I don't think their their experience really means that much. Atlanta, who did they beat last year? They beat New York who finished in mm, 11th seed. Right? They beat the, the Sixers. Sixers. Look at the look what happened. Look what happened with the Philadelphia 76ers. They literally made the Sixers implode on themselves. Maybe they made that happen or if just Ben Simmons dunks the ball, everything's okay. Like the
0: <laughs> that's moment in NBA history. The, <laughs>
1: The absolute like shit your pants, pee down your leg moment. One of the bigger moments in playoff history was Doc Rivers and Ben Simmons last year in the playoffs. And they lost the Bucks. Like, granted, the Atlanta Hawks um were kind of the it team coming into the season, but like they really underperformed expectations because I think their expectations were too high. So let's talk about the basketball aspect of this, because I see two strength on week weakness edges in favor of Charlotte. One is fast break basketball and one is interior or paint points. Charlotte is first in paint po- or fast break points added per 100 possessions according to cleaningtheglass.com. Atlanta's defense has the second worst fast break efficiency. So if Charlotte can speed up the tempo, they're going to crush Atlanta on the fast break. Also, Charlotte likes to attack the paint, and they attempt a bunch of field goals at the rim. Atlanta's 19th in paint points per game allowed, and 21st in defensive field goal percentage at the rim. Um, also, Atlanta's very tough at home, right? Right. But Charlotte's profitable versus good home teams. Charlotte's seven-two and one against the number in their last ten road games versus teams with a winning home uh, with a home winning percentage of sixty percent or better. Also, both these teams are mid-tier teams. Charlotte performs a lot better against mid-tier teams. Atlanta, eleven and eighteen straight up, minus two point six adjusted net rating and a minus two point seven ATS differential versus those middle pack, middle of the pack teams. Really, the only argument I see—not the only—the the biggest argument I see for Atlanta here is the fact that they're home and they're a tough home team, and I can't, I can't ignore that. I and to yeah. your point, like. They, they shoot much better at home. Their offense is much better at home. And and, and it does feel like um, a possible square number, this four and a half, which is now getting up to five. Uh, most of the market apparently is on Atlanta. But I'll take Charlotte here. Um, and it, it'll be one of my – it'll be a best bet. I like Charlotte here. I'm
0: also going to say if you like Charlotte in this matchup, you might as well at least consider plus 550 for them to make the playoffs. Is that a typical? Well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. Minus plus 550 for Charlotte to make the playoffs.
1: Yes. I would I would take that bet for you
0: guys. <laughs> I can you double check that for me. All you want. But it's minus 847 for no, plus 550 for yes. I think the winner of this at the end of the day, I think me and you might both be in agreement. I think the winner of this game makes playoffs.
1: Well, I, yeah, I think the I, I think the, the winner Cavs. of this game certainly beats the Cavs. And either
0: way, I'm not saying do this, but you can bet both these teams, and if they beat the Cavs, you make money.
1: That's, not, it, that, it wouldn't be a smart bet, but that, that's not a terrible bet. I don't hate your logic. I'm trying to poke holes in it, but I you bet I a, hear you, you
0: bet ten dollars on each team. If the Hawks lose, you have ten to make fifty-five to first Charlotte. So. Right. And then um, what's, what's, saying, what's Atlanta's if, if price like to make the, Hornets, the playoffs? Uh,
1: 240
0: So if so, you heard Jeff and you're like, hell yeah, Jeff's right. Plus 550 for Charlotte to make the playoffs is probably my – would be my better way to make that. And if you really feel sketchy, you can hedge it because they'll probably be underdogs in Cleveland.
1: That's, that's actually pretty good stuff. I like that. Yeah, because like if you bet both the Atlanta Hawks and the Charlotte Hornets to make the playoffs now – you're going to profit regardless of what happens, right? Only if they beat the Cavs. right. right, right. I, 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 yeah, I misspoke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but yes,
0: and I like that. I, I just, I think the caps I think you're going to see them get exposed so often. Without, I mean, we can talk about. We should have talked about this earlier. Akora Garland's going to be a superstar, but Okora, Dean Wade, Lamry Stevens. I like them. They're not bad, but. They're not. They're not at the level to be able to compete with Miles Bridges and Clint Capella.
1: Yeah, no. Just to to circle back on that, like the injury to Steph to Luca, obviously much more important. But people are really sleeping on the injury to Jared Allen. Like it's it's a bat. It's a very very. It's an unrecoverable injury for for uh, Cleveland, in my opinion. Like, I don't see them beating either yeah. one of these three teams without Jared I, Allen.
0: And I on I honestly think Luka and Steph, Steph even potentially less because Poole and Klay, I think the injury to Jared Allen is more crushing for the Cavs than if the Warriors were to miss Steph. I mean, Klay Thompson can lead a team through an entire game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we just haven't seen Darius Garland do something like that. And that's kind yeah, of what so they need. Darius they need Darius Carlin Garland to that, go nuts.
0: I'm telling you if you just heard what Jeff said and you love it plus 550 for the the Hornets to make the playoffs is outstanding.
1: Yeah, I don't hate that value. Damn, good shit. All right, cool. Let's go to the final um, playing game here. That's um, scheduled the tip off Wednesday 6:30 Eastern Standard Time when the San Antonio Spurs uh visit the New Orleans Pelicans right now. Um, according to Tipico, the New Orleans Pelicans are favored four and a half points, money line -210. San Antonio, plus 170. Total sitting at 226.5, which is down significantly from the opener, which is 232. Shit, I let a good number go away. I still kind of like the under here. Uh, how are you getting at this game? If at all, I think this is the toughest toughest game. Um, Actually, let me set the table a little bit. San Antonio um, led the season series thirty 3-1 straight up and against the spread. They've actually won and covered eight of their last nine meetings with New Orleans. Um, the total is 1-7 and seven to the under in the last eight. Are you getting down on this game in any in any shape or form? I, I think it's a tough matchup.
0: I think it's tough, and partially why it's tough is because the Spurs have made me a lot of money this year, mm-hmm. and I like them in almost every sense of who they are. They defend. They have athletes at every position. So they don't turn the ball over. They're extremely well coached. They're 19-12-1 against the spread as home favorites. They rebound, they rebound at a – actually, maybe their, their defensive rebounding sucks, apparently, 24th. But they offensive rebounding at the eighth highest rate. They do a lot of good things, and they're going to be able to throw athletes at Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum. And McCollum – or Ingram's been out the last few games. I believe that's with the calf or hamstring strain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be at 100% entering this one. I'm assuming he'll play – And I think five is a big number for this. So I like the Spurs at plus five. I think they do a little bit of everything well. And um, I think for it to at least be a close game, if this were two and a half, if this were a one possession game, I would probably favor the Pelicans because I do like them. I think you can get them to make the playoffs at plus three twenty, And I seriously would think about that considering how their players are more consistent than probably the Timberwolves. Um, But I like the Spurs here at plus five.
1: That feels mispriced though. New Orleans th- only three twenty to make the playoffs, whereas Atlanta and Charlotte are have higher numbers, and I think a a softer. Well,
0: Atlanta's is lower. Atlanta's is two forty, and Charlotte's oh, is right.
1: three. Or, yeah, the Pelicans
0: right. are three fifty. This one's three
1: fifty, and then nine hundred for the Spurs. Good catch. Okay. All right. All right. No. All right. That makes more sense how I'm hearing it. I, I actually do think. Uh, The Pelicans get past the Spurs, and actually I I would take them against the the Timberwolves. uh, I'm assuming they'd get points there, so I would just take the points there. But I more or less lean to the Pelicans. They have a strength on edge, weakness, um, or uh, strength on weakness, edges, and rebounding and paint points. Uh, As you just mentioned, San Antonio's defensive rebounding rate is really low. I think you said 26 or something like that. New Orleans' offensive rebounding rate is really high. Um, they score a lot of second-chance points per game. San Antonio gives up a lot of second-chance points per game, um, and, and they give up a lot of paint points per game as well, and that's where New Orleans feasts, especially with, like, uh, Brandon Ingram. He likes to operate in the mid-range, and obviously Valanchunas likes to get in the mid-range, and, and CJ McCollum has some mid-range game to him as well. Also, it feels like San Antonio is turning into a bit of a public dog. I mean, they're getting the majority of the money in action, according to pregame.com. Um, as we talked about with, like, uh, Cleveland earlier, I, you know, public dogs tend to have fleas is the expression. So I do lean towards the Pelicans. I, I do think it's a sharp number, four and a half. I, I, you know, I as well coached as, as, obviously, San Antonio is with Greg Popovich, um, they – I don't know. I do think there are a bit of smoke and mirrors. It is a lot of DeJounte Murray. Their, their three-point shooting is just terrible. It really is. Like They do not uh, have a good offense, and Pelicans have been playing really good defense. and have been one of the better teams in the league oh, uh, since the All-Star break. Well, they've been much better since the All-Star break as opposed to their earlier pr- production. I also have a pretty heavy lean towards the under. The only reason it's a lean, though, is because we're just getting like— the worst of the number it started at 232 and it's at 226 and a half according to Tipico. um but situationally the the trends point to this being an under uh, New Orleans is 5 and 10 to the under as a home favorite minus 4.3 total margin. San Antonio's 12 19 and 1 to the under as road dogs with a minus 2.1 margin. there's a pros versus Joe's game with the pro money favoring the under and Styles make fights. Again, these teams are 1-7 to the under in their last eight meetings. Both teams have a bottom 10 true shooting percentage and three-point attempt rate. So they don't attempt a lot of threes, and they're not very good at hitting them anyways, which makes me feel stronger about the under, especially one that's priced in the high 220s, now mid-220s. Um, and New Orleans is really good at getting to the free throw line, which is a way that they could help push this game over but San Antonio is really good at keeping opponents off the free throw line, so maybe the uh, the Pelicans don't get as many free throw attempts. Um, I lean to the under and I lean to the Pelicans, but I'm not going to make an official play. Uh, I was about to say, I
0: feel like that game's all kind of what you want to believe in because you're you're saying rebounding. Well, at the same time, Spurs sits second in turnover rate, where the Pelicans hit 21st. Um, mm-hmm. But neither team shoots a ton of threes. I would think the Spurs are a better three, like a more volume three point shooting team. I guess I could be wrong there.
1: Um, I can look it up.
0: E- either way, I'm not.
1: Spurs not, shoot I'm not the super second. On either. Sh- Spurs have the second lowest three point attempt volume, and then the Pelicans have the sixth lowest or seventh lowest. So both of them don't shoot a lot of threes. So, But to your point, yeah, like I made my. I lean Pelican, so I, oh, my analysis was all pelicans but yeah there are reasons like the spurs hence the lean you know so sounds like the under is the strong play in this game i do but uh, dude it started at 3 30, 232 and it's at 226 i still like it at 226 but i feel dumb giving it out at 226
0: Typico says 92 percent of the cash is on the under i guarantee you not many i that's probably all sharp money because no one that's just a general better has bet that game yet
1: yeah, for sure. That's definitely the least attractive of the three games.
0: Um, but yeah, I'll, I'm fine with it. I I didn't feel super strongly about the Spurs. It's almost like if I feel like indifferent about the teams, I'm just going to take the underdog. I'm just going to get points.
1: All right. Well, I think we we did some good work here. Do you want to lock in our best bets and go into the window? Yeah, let's do it. All right, before we get over to the window, let shout out the uh, odds provider and sponsor of this podcast, Typico Sportsbook. They're a global sports betting leader. That's now uh, live in New Jersey and Colorado. You can make your favorite sports more interesting with Typico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. New users from this podcast can get a special welcome bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions Do apply. You must be 21 or older to game. So please see Tipico's website for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER for New Jersey and 1-800-522-4700 for Colorado. Please remember to gamble responsibly. Okay, so as we um, do every episode, we're going to the uh, window with our best bets. The Bet Slippin' Podcast. Going to the window. I have the uh, Los Angeles Clippers uh, plus three and a half, and I'm taking the Charlotte Hornets plus four and a half. I got leans on the Pelicans and the under in that game uh, and leans on the Cavs, but I can't get there on those two. What are... It's your bet slip. Um, what's your bet slip looking like, Nate? I'm
0: going Nets under two twenty seven, Spurs under two twenty seven,
1: and then I don't care. Give me the Hawks plus two forty to make the playoffs. All righty. So we can both win that one with the Hornets keeping it within four and the Hawks winning. Yeah, let's hope. Let's hope that's a double win. Yeah, let's hope it plays out that way. Uh, Thanks for checking us out. Uh, Please do me a favor and share, uh, subscribe, rate, follow the podcast, show us love any way you can. Also uh, be on the lookout for our upcoming NBA playoff first round preview podcast. Should be dropping uh, this Thursday. And, again, I will be doing a uh, routine, periodical, somewhat daily NBA postseason podcast. So look out for that in your bet, slip, and feed Do you have any uh, final thoughts for the listeners? No, I'm just really excited about this slate,
0: and uh, I like meaningful basketball, so I'm I'm hyped for it. All right. Well,
1: best of luck to you guys, and we'll talk to you in a couple days. Peace. Peace.
0: This is the Bet Slippin' Podcast, featuring Jeff Clark from USA Today Sportsbook Wire. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day.
1: No way. I mean, it's the gambling business. Occasionally you get punched in the face. You're listening to the Bet Slippin' Podcast. I'm shocked, shocked to find that gambling is going on in here.